Welcome back to your Daily Dose. It's me, your old pal Nick. Bob and I talk about performing improv quite a bit on this show. It's a big part of his life, and I am infatuated with improv. I always have been. When he posted a specific experience with a mild heckler, I wondered, would I have the same reaction that he did? I want to talk to you about uh, something that happened at SAC Comedy Lab. Ooh, I love stuff. SAC Comedy Lab, you know that. As we all do. (laughs) But I was reading, you posted about this on Facebook, and I was reading Mm -hmm. it, and I think I would have had the same reaction Mm -hmm. that you did because it sounded, or my perception was that it sounded like the guy was being a little lewd. Oh, you lesbian lovers, yes. right? Okay, yeah. So asking for a relationship, we do a scene called uh, Epistolaries, which is a scene where we have uh, three people who are speaking one word at a time, playing one character, and two people who are speaking as one voice as another character, and they're sending letters to each other. And the get for that is always, give me a relationship with two, two people that could be writing letters to each other. And this man uh, from the third row yells out, lesbian lovers. And that's the way he said it, lesbian lovers. And just the way he said it, it just sounded lurid. It sounded like he was being dirty about it. And we played to a family-friendly crowd. And my first instinct was, no, no. And I actually said out loud, no, well, we're going to try, try something else like that. And, and often when someone gives us a bad uh recommendation or a bad suggestion we say yeah yeah just like that but something different okay but in this case i couldn't even say that because i felt like he was he was somehow making being a lesbian something dirty that's what i got out of that and so and then within the same split second i started thinking the words lesbian lovers i mean just two people in love yeah yeah and they happen to be the same sex female okay and what i'm saying is there's nothing wrong with that and before I even could turn around to get another suggestion, I said, you know something, I, I've rethought this. I think that's a perfectly fine suggestion. And then these were level one uh, graduates, all right? These are not professional improvisers. This is their first time on stage in front of an audience, which was another concern of mine, putting them in a situation where they had to walk the tightrope to try to stay family friendly, talking about a lesbian lover relationship. And what they did was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was. It didn't walk any line at all. It was just pure good, and it, and it involved two women who were in love with each other. Who, by the way, very often when we tell these stories, there's a lot of conflict. There's one person says something nasty, and the other person responds, and then you end with the final barb. In this instance, it ended with love. It ended with them expressing how much they cared about each other and how they want to be together forever. And with the start that I gave it and that finish, it killed. It was just like everyone saw the change and then responded to what they did with that change. And it it was perfect. But what it did for me was it made me realize that it really wasn't the tone of what the guy put out there. It was me in my own brain going, oh, this crowd can't handle lesbian lovers. When God has to handle lesbian lovers because lesbian lovers are a reality of our world. And they should not only be handled, they should be embraced. They should be accepted for who they are. And I didn't when that first suggestion was put out there. And I, as you know, I mean, I don't, I don't beat myself up about things like this. I just sure. change. I just yeah. do it differently. And very often, as we are doing now, tell the story of that as embarrassing and uncomfortable as it is to admit where I was then. But here's the thing. We're all starting someplace. We're all screwing up. And if we don't quickly and emphatically change direction when we realize 
what we already know, what are we doing? We're not moving forward. And I don't want to be that person. The beautiful thing for me with this, and I know I'm talking way too much, is just um, the amount of love and support that I got from people after posting that for a second time, actually, uh, and people getting it and saying, yeah, it's important for us to acknowledge that we do that so that we can feel empowered to make that second choice, which was the better choice to open and say, yes, I accept this. What would, and, and again, I think I would have had the same reaction yeah. because my, I don't want to say my mindset is, you know, from 20 years ago or 30 years ago, but had that been the suggestion 20 years ago, oh, it scandalous. was what, not only scandalous, but the guy was obviously making a particular type of, you know, he was it, being it was like saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the person who yells die in those games, even though everybody's doing fine. Yep. Like just being a, you know, a troll. Yeah. Essentially. And we, and we deal with those. You know something? I don't, I don't hold anything against the people who put themselves out there during an improv show because we make it clear we want you to interact. And I'll tell you the truth, having watched my share of improv shows from an audience, it's hard not to just participate, you know, to, to put something out there. And, and to to be a part of it, but it can very often create an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. Uh, one of one of my uh, my gurus and improv, David Rizowski, told a funny story when he did a TEDx talk uh, in New Zealand, in Auckland, New Zealand, and it was a story of him going to a play in London, um, and in the play, um, forgetting that it's not an improv show, and. At one point, the lead actor in this play, and he's all the way in the back row, in the middle of, uh, like he to get out of this his seat, he has to put his butt in front of you know ten people in either direction, and the person in the uh, in, in the play in the play in steps the scripted up, play. yeah, steps up to the edge of the audience in a soliloquy <laughs> and says, "What? What do you feel?" And Rizowski yells out, "I'm happy to be here." And, and the whole audience turns around and looks right at him. And he said, Robert, I wanted to just shrink into my chair. And then my next thought was, I can't. I need to get out of here. And I looked on either side. And I'd have to walk across 20 people to get out of there, causing more attention to me. And so what I had to do was sit in it. I had to sit in that moment and just absorb it and be there fully present as the entire audience reviled me for stepping into this lovely performance. And what that taught him was sitting in it is survivable. And in fact, sometimes it's necessary for you to figure out what's going on. And while he's doing this talk, by the way, he had invited an audience member from the audience to come up and sit in a chair on the stage while he told that story. They're just sitting there uncomfortably having everybody watch them while he's telling the story and he makes them this beautiful metaphor for that. But just that whole concept of sitting in it, um, it reminds me that one of the key skills that I get in improv is finding comfort and discomfort. Yeah. Like I, and I think you're that way too automatically though, that we're both people that if we're a little uncomfortable in a room, we can create greater discomfort in the other people in the room so that we'll be comfortable. <laughs> They might not be. I can make it so much worse for you guys. <laughs> well, that's just... So do not make me uncomfortable. I feel like I should start every conversation and every party that way. It's just like, don't test me. I can make you more uncomfortable than Listen, you are. I will always win. 
<laughs> I can't imagine you and I on opposing forces. That would be no, bad. That would, no, oh, that would be epic. It would be eternal. It would be immovable force meets unstoppable force, right? It's like, um, okay, so my daughter- One Devin, of us would end up naked. <laughs> yeah. For sure. If not both. Yeah. My daughter Devin is one of those people as well. And one of the stories she tells that I, I it's a silly little blip, but it makes me laugh. She's, she's entered uh, NPR in Washington as an intern. And she says, and I get in the room and it's very clear to me that these people are all much more serious than I am. And I walk in the room and everybody's occupied every surface except for this one seat. And it's in the middle of a big couch between two other people. That's the only place that I can sit down and they're all strangers. And I am at the door clear across the room and everybody sees me when I walk in the room and I look at that spot in the couch and I open my arms and I say, like an airplane, coming in for a landing and I did a circular move around the room all the way around the room and zoomed right in and sat down at that spot not one person smiled or laughed oh. and she said well now I know what I'm dealing with <laughs> how can I not be in love with that human being yeah who absolutely. comes in as an airplane yep. just to test the water and see you know because she like me is an echolocator you know we put stuff out there see what bounces back and then we're like okay now I know now I can decide whether to amp it up or ratchet it down. But most often, amp it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the path. You know, amp it up. Guess what? You can always ratchet it down, you know? But if you have an opportunity to amp it up, I, my thing is, if I'm uncomfortable, uh, I will make it so uncomfortable that everybody's uncomfortable and I'm the least uncomfortable in the room. Yeah. No, we've established this is our attack pattern. It's good. Yeah. Hey, friends. It's Bob. I'm often amazed at how the stuff that I've learned in an improv theater translates so perfectly to my real life. I don't know if it's life imitating art or vice versa. I also think it's incredible that I found a podcast partner who has gifts as great as mine in creating and amping up uncomfortable moments. Nick is the yin to my disturbing yang, and that works for us. That's all for this episode of Your Daily Dose. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time.